0: Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So the Apostle Paul here, we see that he's already in trouble with the Jewish uh, religious leaders, those who are, I want to say, more orthodox, Those, who, especially the ones who don't believe in Jesus as the Savior and the Messiah. Now they're persecuting him, giving him a hard time. They rioted. And that's what's going on. Paul is in the care now of a Roman garrison in Jerusalem. Someone say Jerusalem. Amazing place. That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged. Do you ever need encouragement? Oh my goodness. I was talking to someone today and they said, Man, it was it, it's, it, it's just a tough day. How many of you know emotions are powerful, huh? God wired you with emotions, and so the Lord sent or the Lord, the Lord himself, he appeared to Paul. Can you imagine Jesus shows up and says, be encouraged. (laughs) I've been through it all. I understand you. Be encouraged, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem. What's a witness? Someone who speaks the truth. Someone who proclaims the message. Did you know you do not have to be a preacher or teacher to be a witness for the Lord? You speak the truth. You proclaim the message. It may not be from a microphone. Some of you, I'm telling you, folks shut down. I remember a few months back, said, man, we want you to be on the mic to say good news. All the good news stopped in the house. No more good news. No one had good news. like, and then they didn't want to give a hint that they had good news. They thought I was going to give them the mic, right? At least she's like, I don't want the mic. Good news, anyone? They're all, oh, don't, don't make eye contact with him. Maybe he'll go away. But why do we do good news? So you can be a witness. You can testify. That's real church words there. You can just speak about what God's doing in your life or what he's done. Did you know that is the best way to lead someone to Jesus or be an example or testify or be a witness is say, here's what God has done for me. How long ago was it that y'all, y'all lost your mom? Four months ago. You'll always remember it. And I know some days are harder than others, huh? But you will always understand people the best and the most that have been through the same thing as you, huh? And you've been through it, and God uses that. You say, man, Mom went to heaven early. I know, I feel you, Mika. My mom went to heaven early. And your mom was at peace, and she kept her joy, and that's powerful. So did my mom. But, man, you still miss them. But here's the encouragement. You've been through some stuff, so you can help people who have been through some stuff. Say, man, I lost my mom. My gosh, that's tough. I remember say, man, this is not exactly the same, same thing. And some of you are not dog lovers. But, man, we, we, just, we lost a dear, dear Member of our family, Gentry, in January, and it was so sudden it broke our hearts. Golly, that guy. He could almost speak English. I'm telling you, he understood so many things. I don't know how many phrases Jen taught him, but he was so, so smart. Someone would come to the house and he would pick up on who they were. He would assume that if you use their name, even if they were brand new, that's who you were telling him to go to. So he'd say, Hey, go to mom. And he, he's like, Oh, that's the new person in the house. That must be mom. So he'd go to him say, Hey, uh, Jeff is here at the house. Go to Jeff. I don't, have we ever had a Jeff at the house? Probably not. But go to them. He was so smart, he'd go to him, he'd take his ball to him, but he wouldn't give it to him. He, he just carried his ball around, but he didn't want you to have it. Like, he'd do this. Jen's you taught him that, right? <laughs> he's your dog when he's not acting right. But, man, it was crazy that the people, the people that told us be encouraged when we were going through something, we lost our dog. Oh, it broke our hearts. It was so sudden. It was just like his whole life. Full speed or asleep? <laughs> it seemed like, man, we didn't even know he was sick, and he went to heaven. You know, golly. You say, man, I don't know if dogs go to heaven. Well, you remember the cartoon, but people have had visions and heard from God that their beloved pets are in heaven. There are animals in heaven. You can read in Revelation, there's beasts in heaven, one translation says. So praise God. But I'm going to tell you right now, man, it hurts so much. We don't have kids, and it just it tore us up. But it blew us away, the amount of support we got. Somebody even gave Pastor Jen a, a sweatshirt with Gentry's... Gentry was somehow um, what, embroidered on it with his name. And boy, just just to have someone go, Oh, man, I feel you. That That hurts. I'm sorry. And we got all the outreach from people that said... I've lost an animal, and people think it's crazy, but man, it hurts, and you grieve them. Because they stay like a child, you have to care for them constantly. It's true. So it's a different kind of bond, and it hurts. And I'm telling you, man, you lose a mom or a dad, oh, man, it hurts. I don't know why I went into that tonight, but you be encouraged. There may be someone at the sound of my voice on the live stream that needed to hear this. Maybe someone in this house, but you... Be encouraged, whoever you are, whatever your name is, God knows it. You be encouraged. Because it looked like it was all going downhill for Paul at this point. His own people hated him because he said, Jesus is the way to heaven. Can you imagine? They're trying to explain to you that we are righteous and holy, but we're going to kill you because you don't believe like us. I'm not buying that. Sounds like there's demons involved and hatred and jealousy. That's not of God, is it? Can you imagine I go to tell someone, hey, I need to talk to you about Jesus. Oh, I don't want to hear that. What? Man, I may have to kill you now. No, that's not love. That's not walking with God. But these Jewish leaders at this time, that is how they behaved with Paul. They said, you you don't like the old traditions. You're speaking against the law of Moses. Let's have him killed. And the way they were acting wasn't even scriptural, not even according to their scriptures. So in the midst of that, God told Paul, be encouraged. You don't have to raise your hand, but this is a rhetorical question. Say, who here in this house or on the live stream needs to be encouraged? It might be you. You say, man, I've been going through some junk. You don't even know. I may not, but God understands. You say, it wasn't my fault. It was not my fault. I got blamed for something. I've done my best. You know, you know the whole deal about how Scripture says you're getting per- persecuted for righteousness' sake, doing the right thing. Now, if you're in trouble because you've been acting a fool, you just need to repent, right? People are out to get me. Well, you've been acting like a devil, then God's working on you. But you say, man, I did my best. I've made some mistakes, but I've had people come after me and and all this. The Apostle Paul was doing the right thing. He was preaching the word, and they wanted to kill him. And the Lord said, be encouraged. I say to you tonight, people of God, be encouraged by the Spirit of God. I believe the Lord would say to you tonight, your best days are ahead. Your best days are ahead. Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must what? Preach the good news in Rome as well. Well, here we go. He's in Jerusalem. It's a long way from Rome, but now the Lord says, I'm going to take you all the way there. Don't worry. It's going to get crazy, but you've got places to go, just like I promised. So the next morning, look at these folks. Look at them. They said, we're doing this. We're doing God a service. The next morning, a group of Jews got together and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. (laughs) All in the name of the Lord. Say, all The God of the Old Testament, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're not going to eat or drink until we've killed this guy. We hate him. Oh, okay. There were more than 40 of them in the conspiracy. Can you imagine? They weren't going to eat or drink until they killed Paul. So fast forward, I wonder how long they went without eating or drinking. (laughs) People are crazy. Are humans interesting? They're weird too, huh? Humans are weird. I've told people before, don't worry if you're weird because I'm quirky too. (laughs) I I am. I have some stuff that you'd go, what? Why? Mm Mm-hmm. They went to the leading priests and elders and told them, We have bound ourselves with an oath to eat nothing until we have killed Paul. They went to the leaders. Oh, they wanted glory before mankind. We're we're doing something amazing. We're, We're fasting until we can kill this guy. So then there's 40 men in the conspiracy to kill Paul. They said, So you and the high council should ask the commander to bring Paul back to the council again. Pretend you want to examine his case more fully. We will kill him on the way. Hmm. You thought you had problems. As far as I know, most of you, most of you, I mean, I can't speak for all of you, but I'm sure most of you, you haven't had anyone conspiring to kill you yet. Say, man, we're going to, man, on the way to the meeting, we're going to have them killed. Look at this, though. Paul's nephew. Thank God. Someone say, thank God for family sometimes they're crazy man you're like man i can't deal with these people you can't live with them you can't live without them but paul's nephew how interesting his sister's son heard of their plan and went to the fortress and told paul does anyone know paul's sister's name i just thought i'd ask you because i don't either i don't think there's record of it but i just thought i just wanted to see if you'd give me a weird answer Paul called for one of the Roman officers and said, take this young man to the commander. That's his nephew, right? He has something important to tell him. So the officer did, explaining, Paul the prisoner called me over and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. It's interesting how much respect they treat him with, too. The commander took his hand, led him aside, and asked, what is it you want to tell me? I like it that even though this guy is a pagan, we don't, there's no record that he was a believer, the Roman uh, leader there, he's taking everything seriously. I like that. Don't you like that? You ever tried to go to customer service and they don't care? I like it this guy says, come over here. What do you have to tell me? What, if it's a big deal to you, it might be a big deal to me. Let's see what's going on. So Paul's nephew told him, some Jews are going to ask you to bring Paul before the high council tomorrow, pretending they want to get what? Some more information. But don't do it. There are more than 40 men hiding along the way, ready to ambush him. They have vowed not to eat or drink anything until they have killed him. They are ready now, just waiting for your consent. Hmm. Don't let anyone... No, you told me this. The commander warned the young man. I love it that the commander took him seriously. God was at work. Then the commander called two of his officers and ordered, get 200 soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at 9 o'clock tonight. Caesarea is right on the ocean there, and um, they, had some, they had some jail cells and a prison. So get them ready. We're going tonight. Also, take 200 what? Wow, so 200 soldiers and 200 spearmen and 70 mounted troops. Did you see how many? Did you see that? Add that up real quick. What is that, 470 soldiers? Wow, just to take Paul to Caesarea. Because the Romans said, this guy's a Roman citizen, and I need to take care of him. I'm going to do my job. I'm taking the threat seriously, and I've got to take him to Caesarea. He didn't know, though. Even though he didn't serve God, he was working for God. Interesting. God will use folks in your life that don't even serve God to speak the truth to you many times. And they'll, they'll help you along the way. And God will, God will work through people even though they're not believers. So then he goes on to say, provide horses for Paul to ride and get him safely to Governor Felix, the governor of the province there. Then he wrote this letter to the governor. From Claudius Lysias to His Excellency Governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by some Jews, and they were about to kill him when I arrived with the troops. When I learned that he was a Roman citizen, look, how many of you know that all things work together for good? Even your citizenship is a blessing. It is, of the country, wherever you're from. Most of us in here, you're born in the United States of America. You say, man, that's a blessing. Or the Bahamas, it's a blessing. It's all for a reason. You say, man, I was born in Mexico. All things work together for good. To those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Once you begin to see, serve God, everything you have is a gift. When I learned that he was a Roman citizen, I removed him to safety. Then I took him to their high council to try to learn the basis of the accusations against him. I soon discovered the charge was something regarding their religious law. Certainly nothing worthy of imprisonment or death. He's probably seeing the same thing that Pontius Pilate saw about Jesus as they're trying to kill him because they're jealous of him. But when I was informed of a plot to kill him, I immediately sent him on to you. I've told his accusers to bring their charges before you, governor. I'm sure it's a way more secure facility over there with the governor in Caesarea. So that night, as ordered... The soldiers took Paul as far as Antipatris. They returned to the fortress the next morning while the mounted troops took him on to Caesarea. When they arrived in Caesarea, they presented Paul and the letter to Governor Felix. Everything should come with instructions, right? Even if you're not going to read them. (laughs) How many of you ever tried to put something together and ignored the instructions? Be honest you got to hear some of my stories about that. It's like, look, there's a bag of extra. These are all extra bolts. I don't even know. Hold on to those. You may need them. Not today, though, because we know how to put it together, but these are extras. Right? I'm glad Paul came with instructions. Presented the letter to Governor Felix. All right. He read it and then asked Paul what province he was from. Cilicia, Paul answered. I will hear your case myself when your accusers arrive," the governor told him. Then the governor ordered him kept in the prison at Herod's headquarters. Five days later, Ananias, there's the notorious guy again, the high priest arrived with some of the Jewish elders, and the lawyer, Tertullus. What a name. Hmm. Name your child Tertullus if you want, at your own risk. No one will ever be able to pronounce that correctly to present their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented the charges against Paul in the following address to the governor. Look how eloquent he waxes here. means, look how eloquent he gets. You, O governor, right, have provided a long period of peace for us Jews. He starts with flattery. I don't know if that's true, but maybe it is. You've provided a long period of peace for us Jews and with foresight. Wow, you're a visionary. You have enacted reforms for us. For all of this, Your Excellency, we are very grateful to you. But I don't want to bore you, so please give me your attention for only a moment. We have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He forgot to mention that the Jews were stirring up riots because they hated him all over the world, but do you see how he spun it? Just a few words there make it a lie, but there's a little bit of truth mixed in. There were riots, but Paul didn't start them we found this man to be a troublemaker who's constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the what? The cult known as the Nazarenes. That's interesting. Like Jesus of Nazareth. Furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. Remember? We read that. That's what they thought. They'd seen Paul around Jerusalem with a Gentile. Remember? So they assumed he was taking the Gentile into the temple against their rules. Well, he wasn't wasn't doing that. So this is another lie. So you can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. Good luck. Paul's smarter than all of y'all put together. Then the other Jews chimed in, declaring that everything Tertullus said was true, of course, just because they said so. The governor then motioned for Paul to speak. Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years, so I gladly present my defense before you. Notice there's no flattery, just truth. Did you notice that? Paul starts off, and he's way different from the lawyer right off. He just says, here's the truth. You're very familiar with our customs and everything else. You've judged what we do here and understand it. So he goes on. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. Let's stop there. Did you know accusers don't need truth? They can just hurl something at you. They don't need truth. They can just <clears throat> make up something. It, it doesn't have to, oh, we have witnesses, or they could just say something. Just throw it out there. I remember years ago, and it sounds stupid now, but those of you who have known my dad, you know that he's been a, a pillar in the community for years. Um, he won't talk to you about this or brag about himself, but it, we believe that there's no way to calculate it. But there, he's helped thousands of families, mostly from Mexico, but even folks from Pakistan, different places, I think even Eastern Europe. He's helped them to get their residency and citizenship just one of the things he's done on the side for years he felt called to do it he started doing it when i was a kid helping people get their citizenship or their papers to be able to stay in the united states of america work permits and different stuff but mostly residency um, residency and citizenship and i remember years ago after doing all this I, i don't even know where it came from but somebody somebody came up with this and i i grew up with this guy so my dad has never used substances not once He'd he'd never smoked or drank, did anything like that. Was never involved in crazy stuff like that. But someone, years ago, someone goes, You know, Pastor Senna, you know why that church, they built that big building? Pastor Senna's dealing drugs. I'm all, from where? And back then, Dad was driving an old, beat up, old, brown church van. Smelled like gasoline. Because one time I drove it hard, and there was some lawn equipment in the back, and the gasoline spilled in the back. Dad's all, What'd you do to the van? I go, What do you mean? He goes, you driving it crazy because it spilled gas. I'm like, uh, I don't know. It must have spilled itself, right? A drug dealer driving a big old, you know, and it was a 70-something Ford. Y'all remember Ford Econoline vans? The original long-stretch Ford vans? And people said, oh, he's dealing drugs, you know. They don't have to have a basis to hurl an accusation at you. But you know what? I've said this for years. You can outlive the critics and outlast the critics, Now we're looking back in time at the beginning of uh, the founding of our faith in the book of Acts. It's called the Acts of the Apostles, the things that the early church did, the men and women of God, the things they did to get the church on its feet because Jesus left them with the authority to do so. And you're starting to see now the tide has turned. 2,000 years later, we look back at this. It's a historical book as well, the book of Acts, even though it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we know who looks dumb now, and it's not Paul, huh? It was the ones accusing him and lying. He says, My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. I remember one, one time a guy said, and you'll see this in movies too, but I've heard people say this in person. They're like, you know what? The truth doesn't matter. It's the accusation now. The truth doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, the truth does matter because Proverbs says... Lies will soon fade away. They melt away. But truth will stand the test of time. Jesus said the truth will be shouted from the rooftops. And you know what? I don't know who this is for tonight. Praise God. But let me tell you this right now. And we're going to stop at that verse. God will shame your adversaries. I promise you. You keep putting God first. Those that come against you for no good reason. You belong to God. I remember years ago, I had, I had gotten into it with a kid on the bus. I was in fourth grade, and man, we used to be buddies, and he decided he hated me over some stupid thing, and I remember, and I'm sure I didn't do everything right. In fact, I know I didn't. But man, this guy, he just turned on me one day. He was a neighbor, and uh, he was stronger than me, a little older than me, he'd been held back a grade. And we'd got into it a few times. And he was a bully on the bus, and I hated that about him. I was always for the underdog. Now, I'm not painting myself as someone righteous, because once again, I've made many poor decisions in my life. But I remember this kid, he would bully kids and do stuff, and one time I put him in the claw, you know? The claw! I think there was a wrestler named Baron Von Raschke that used to do that on the wrestling. So I, I put him in the claw. It was harmless, you know? He bit my hand. And then he was, another day he was bullying someone else, and I pushed him. Well, he turned around, and he just punched me. Boom! Punched me in the eye. It was so shocking to me that I went and sat down. (laughs) I should have hit him back, but I was not expecting that. I went, oh, man. And I knew how to throw some punches. My dad had taught me. But I went, oh, man. And he was huskier than me, so he hit the crud out of me. Well, I go home, and I just knew, I was like, ooh, I'm going to be in trouble. Well, I get home, and By the time dad got home, I had developed a nice black eye. I'll never forget this. I can still see my young dad, that thick black hair, you know, he has. Looking good, man. He looked at me and said, Hey, Matthew, what happened? I said, Oh, man, I got into it with, I almost said his name. Well, his name was Renee. I said, I got into it, Renee. He was messing with someone, but he punched me. I go, Maybe I deserved it. He goes, Wait, what happened? I said, well, he's messing with these young kids on the bus. And I, I, I pushed him, because I, I don't even know if I pushed him. I don't remember exactly what I did, but I told Dad the story. And I said, he punched me. He said, did you hit him? Did you start it? I said, well, I, I got in business that wasn't mine, and Dad stopped talking. I'll never forget that moment. Dad got me. He said, come on. He walks out the door, and I go, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? He said, follow me. Come on. He walked out of the trailer, I'll never forget this, and marched, and man, Dad always wore boots. And boy, he walked with purpose. I'll never forget, he crossed the road and he went directly to Renee's house. He didn't ask questions. He knocked on the door, and Renee, I'll never forget, I was standing at a distance, I was so embarrassed. I'm like, what is Dad going to do? Renee opens the window and goes, he said something like, what? I wish the door would have been locked. Dad opened the door, grabbed Renee, but I'll never forget. Grabbed him by his clothes and pulled him out. And the kids go, oh, and I remember thinking, oh, now who's tough? You can't whoop the, the Vietnam veteran. And Dad's not a big guy, but tough is boot leather. So he pulls the guy, he said, well, he's a pastor. I know, I know. I'm sure Dad, I don't know if he repented or not. Because I, I don't know if it was unrighteous, but anyway. We pulled the kid out of the house. I don't even know what dad was going to do with him. I think dad was refraining from beating the kid up. But he pulled him out of the house and he said, look at the black eye you gave Matthew. Did he hit you? No, sir. He could hardly speak intelligibly. And dad just marched him around the yard. I don't even know what dad was doing. I don't know if dad knew what he was doing. But the kid was like, oh, oh. And dad said, don't ever lay a hand on him again and don't ever come to our house again. Stay away. And he took him back. I'll never forget. He took him, took him on the porch, pushed him in his house, and slammed the door. He goes, come on. <laughs> okay. Say, why did I tell you that story tonight? Because my dad, he used to tell people, even at church, because being a pastor's kid was tough, especially for someone as outgoing as me. Dad used to tell people, you don't worry, I'll deal with Matthew. Matthew. He used to say things like, I'm the toughest on him. He's my oldest. I'll deal with him. Dad used to say, what about your kids? See, God, in the same, God is going to defend Paul. God's going to defend you. You're going to see in the story, God's hand is on Paul. And he, man, I feel the spirit of God tonight. He will always defend you. He'll take care of his own. Scripture says you are the apple of his eye. Thessalonians, man, dad brought this up to me and Barry today. God sees it as a righteous thing, I've been saying this lately, to trouble those who trouble you. You can't get around that verse. I still look back. Man, I thank God for my dad. We did not always see eye to eye, especially when I was a teenager. We have a fabulous relationship now. But man, my dad was always there, and he def- man, those times where he defended me, I just look back and go, wow, that reminds me of God. Some of you said, I didn't have anyone in my life who would do that? Well, you know what? I defend you now. I defend you now. I believe the best of you, even if you're, even if you're a nuthead. Say, man, I've made mistakes. No, I defend you. I'm on your side. I love you. And more importantly, God defends you. He is on your side. If God be for us, who can be against us, Scripture says. Man, I could go all night on this. We better stop. We'll get y'all in trouble. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray, please. God is with you. He's for you, and He lives inside of you. And He's not done with you. He's just getting warmed up. He's just getting started. Mm. Is there anybody in this house at the sound of my voice who says, Pastor Matt, I need to get right with God? Would you lift your hand today? Anybody in this house, raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. Let's agree tonight. Let's agree. Those on the live stream, let's agree. Someone repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I need you, Lord. I can't make it without you. Say, I believe Jesus is Lord. Say, I confess him as my Savior. And if you've already done that before, just say, Lord, make me right with you again.